0: And now, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey.
1: once
2: I turn on the radio, I'm ready to roll, ready to roll. Feel like to get when I'm
1: Welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey
3: Wilson. Uh,
1: you know, Casey, I'm finally feeling twenty-twenty like I can't. I just can't flip that switch on Jam 1, but, you know, now I'm, I'm sort of ready to go. And uh, it's a leap year. It is a leap year. And uh, I feel now like it's like leaping ahead. I'm already worrying about the wine festival. It's only, you know, it's a little over a month away. Uh, in fact, today uh, we continue our uh, series on France 101. We're going to talk about the Languedoc today, which is the largest wine region in the world. Wait till you hear how big it is. It's just amazing. Several famous world wine regions could fit inside the Languedoc. And great food. Great food, great weather, uh, 285 days a year of sunshine. So, you know, it's pretty hard to beat that. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, Also, we're going to have fun with ice wine. Not so much about drinking it, but serving it and using it with food.
3: I know. Ice wine butter. Who knew?
1: The best. (laughs) And ice wine bacon. Ice wine, bacon, that's just crazy. Oh, my God. I just, I can't wait for that. That is rich and rich. Uh, Also, you and I are going to have a chat about restaurant etiquette, something sorely needed by uh, diners in this city. Um, Well, and some tips, too. And these are kind of from the point of view of the waitstaff.
3: Yes, like, is there a best way to order?
1: Yeah, look him in the eye. Put your phone down. That's the best way to do anything. Yes, right. Yeah, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and then uh, we're going to uh, kick off the show with John Bishop. Uh, John, of course, uh, has been cooking for most of his life. Uh, p- people probably don't know, but he started out with Umberto
3: for a decade. He did, and he's going to tell us how to make a stew like a pro.
1: Yeah, a stew like a pro is a gatanie a stew or a soup. No, it's a soup. It's a soup. Okay. I don't know the difference between I stew know and soup. You I'm going to ask I'm going to ask John what the difference is between soup and stew cuz don't they both stew and soup? Or? It's about well, t- both 10 bucks. <laughs> you'll have to stick around uh, and listen to us and find out what the answer is from our good friend John Bishop. That's our lineup. Don't go too far. Uh, by the way, uh, just a tip now, you can listen to all your favorite shows on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network simply by going to iTunes. It's all there right in front of you. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we'll kick off the show. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. I'll be right back.
0: There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine
4: industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine
5: dino vancouver a haven for culinary enthusiasts from around the globe and the Westin bayshore vancouver is the proud sponsor of its annual vancouver world chef exchange where five up-and-coming chefs from around the globe step into the kitchen to cook up a storm in a dino vancouver collaboration book your stay at the weston bayshore vancouver and receive special pricing including dinner for two at any of vancouver's exceptional restaurants details and reservations at dinovancouvercom slash hotel
6: now that the holidays are over, take a break and head for Tinhorn Creek. It's a beautiful time of year to visit without the crowds of summer around. Their tasting room is open daily from 10 till 4 for a stress-relieving wine escape. Plus, pick up your 2020 Canadian Concert Series Early Bird Passes online now and get all four concerts for the price of three. Warm summer nights, live outdoor music, and Tinhorn. Does it get much better? For full details and event information, visit tinhorn.com.
7: Hi, this is Duncan from Hillside Winery and Bistro. I invite you to experience the finest that Naramata Bench has to offer. Terroir to table cuisine and crafted wines made exclusively from Naramata-grown grapes. Delight your senses as you sit back, slow down, and savor our locally inspired food and wine. Enjoy a fresh take on dining with the Bistro's new shared plate menu. Come discover and taste the difference at Hillside Winery and Bistro, located in the heart of the Naramata Bench, just minutes from Penticton.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome
1: back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Our guest is John Bishop who really doesn't need an introduction, but I hate that because you should have an introduction, oh, John. Oh,
2: thank you, Tony. Uh,
1: I don't know how many years you've been cooking, but it's a long time. They they say I'm institutionalized, institutionalized. or something. Institutionalized, yeah. Great. Started <laughs> at
3: Umberto's, right? That's
1: right,
2: yeah. When I came to Canada in the 70s, I started with Umberto's at the Little Yellow House and stayed there for ten years. Wow, yeah, I learned wow. a lot there. Yeah,
1: that is uh, ten years with Umberto. That's like, I know, I know. <laughs> we were sidekicks. That's kicks, like going to know? church for a while, and then it's, penance it's, or it's confession tr- for a while. It's true. It's true. <laughs> we had lunch together recently. It was rather fun. Rather yeah. fun yeah, Good guy, uh, folks. Bishops uh, West Forth. It's an institution in Vancouver. But today we're going to talk about uh, because because it's winter time. We thought we'd we'd uh, talk about stews and. Maybe tie it into your upcoming trip to Scotland. Uh, That's probably the... I remember the stews my mother made uh, when I was a kid with... Yeah. Kidneys in them, John. That yes. Looks, well, I uh,
2: love kidneys. I'm the only one in our family that does. But, I would uh, push them to the side of the yeah. plate, and there'd be a long <laughs> argument all night. <laughs> but did you ever eat them, Tony? No, I didn't. Really? <laughs> oh, it's it's a it's a European thing. But yeah. uh, no, today uh, stews are still very fabulous, especially this time of the year. Yeah. Comfort food. It's as much about the contents as it is about the dish. Yeah. You know, the
1: casserole that's put on the table or in the kitchen table. But there, there must be something spiritual about stews too, like. They, you sort of crave them, and yeah. and they comfort you, and and I don't know if there's, it's it's through the genes over the generations or w- there's how a that certain, works.
2: Uh, putting a stew together, if you've got time, there's a certain alchemy that takes place. You transform yeah. these chunks of vegetables, chunks of meat, and yeah. so on, into this wonderful, as you say, comforting, yeah. comforting centerpiece. You know. And there's so do's
3: and don'ts with a
2: stew. Right. Well, I personally uh, like to brown the meat. Absolutely. Uh, don't, don't throw the meat in raw. No. Good uh, point. Get some flavor, get some color starting, uh, too. And, uh, yeah, uh, of course, you can make vegetable stews as
1: well in yes. uh, today's world, uh, maybe. But, Yeah. Here's a dumb wine guy question: Like, what? How, what would you describe the difference between a stew and a soup? <laughs> Are they
2: not uh, doing the it's, same uh, thing? Uh, no, they're not really. Um, a soup is something you could easily have in a cup. A soup is something you can eat with just a spoon yeah. wh- or sip it even. Whereas a stew has more content. Has more. Okay. Uh, I want to say it's, it's nothing like a wonderful soup. Either. You know, that can be as complex as you want to make it. So yeah. yeah.
3: When I was in grade five, my mother was at work, and she came home at noon and put a stew in the oven, Yes, phoned me at 4 o'clock and said, can you thicken it?
2: Oh, can you thicken it? Oh. Uh-huh. One
3: cup of flour, John. I uh, know.
2: Oh, right. Mixed paste.
3: with a bit of water. Oh, it was <laughs> terrible. Wallpaper I just felt paste. awful. Like that. That's exactly what it was Well what you she got I, home.
2: I, I like to do is, uh, if I want to thicken it a little bit, I'll take a, a Yukon gold potato, peel it, and grate it on a box grater into the stew, and then as it cooks, it creates a thickening. Or you can put pearl barley in a stew, which is wonderful. That is a great idea. And not so much that it dominates the whole thing, but no. say a, a quarter of a cup of butter in the stew as you're cooking
1: it. Beautiful thing. See, I would just take the lid off the pot if there was. Can I have a lid on you my do, stew no, pot? Yeah, you take
2: the lid off and let it reduce down. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
2: But I don't think a stew should go for eight hours. No, no. I mean, if you've got a slow cooker and you're out to work all day, why not? You know, Yes. Uh, let it have time itself. The other thing I like to do on... Um, is uh, just break some bread into it as well, which is kind of nourishing.
1: Some focaccia bread. Oh, that's a good idea. That's delicious. Hey, we're speaking with John Bishop of Bishop's Restaurant in uh, Kitsilano. Uh, John, why does this stew taste better the next day? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes, something magical, and it's true. I mean, I've tried, I haven't done a scientific thing on it, but, you know, you're making something like ossobucco or yeah. minestrone soup. Yeah. So, something with potato, uh, tomatoes, it does taste better the next day. I don't know whether it's a palate thing. Uh, maybe it's the flavors have had a chance to really uh, mix in with the mixture, but it's... it's it,
1: Oxidized, it, maybe? I, I don't know.
2: I don't know. There must no, be but a it's scientific... it's is. It is,
3: And when do you add vegetables?
2: Well, in our family, Teresa, who's from Saskatchewan, for some reason she likes her carrots a little undercooked in the stew, whereas (laughs) I'm a typical Welshman, right? Right, you like them overcooked. I like it cooked, yeah. (laughs) For
1: for some reason I like that. (laughs) (laughs) And
3: what's your choice of fresh herbs?
2: Fresh herbs? Um, Well, I'm fortunate I've got a small backyard garden, so in the summer, if it's a good summer, I'll have basil, I'll have rosemary, and uh, in the winter I've got things like thyme and parsley still. So parsley I would say is one of my year round favorites. Yes. To add to something, finely chopped parsley goes in. It's it's just freshens everything. It's quite a beautiful herb and yet um under it's it's not you know, basil is everyone's go to in a way.
3: Yes. And do you put potatoes in the stew?
2: I do. I'll, I'll grate a potato to thicken yeah, it up. But not, uh, you don't, um, I, I don't, I just want to know, what do you yeah. serve with a bishop's stew? I do a, a topping of, uh, a dumpling topping. So oh, when the wow. stew is made, you make, enough, make sure there's enough liquid. And then I'll create a, 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 a dumpling mixture with flour, uh, baking powder, a little bit of salt, some chopped herbs in it, and milk. And then create a little uh, mixture and then spoon it in on top of the stew and then cover it for 15, 20 minutes and cook it. Just before serving? Just before serving. And you've got the starch. It's just very, again, it's very comforting. And yeah. what about Wine? Well, with stew, I'm sure Tony would agree. It's your taste, really. If you put red wine in the stew, I would be inclined to go with a red wine, like a hearty uh, Rhone varietal-type wine. Mm -hmm. Um, Or even an Alsatian white wine is totally fine if it's, say, a chicken stew or a veal stew, something like that and you've got a great recipe for uh lamb stew. Yes, I love where that because you Crispin. use
3: rosemary dumplings and also That's right. but you could this is interchangeable with beef. It is,
2: it is. And you can make this stew with chicken or just vegetables if you wished. Yeah. And best cut of beef? Best cut of beef, I think it's um Oh dear, tops- chuck. Chuck. Yes, chuck. exactly. I think Same so thing too. you make your hamburger out of. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's not expensive either, which is you know, a wonderful thing. Hmm.
3: And we were talking about Julia Child, and, and right. you've met her. I spent a yeah. week with her down in at the Mondavi what a, Winery.
2: What an inspiration Amazing. she was, yeah. I, I spent a day with her in uh, Toronto in uh, uh, one of the magazine's test kitchens there, Canadian Living. Oh, yes. And there were four chefs from around the country, and we each cooked a course from our part of the country. And she sat and put up with us all, and she drank red wine, and we had a great time. And she said, now, does anyone have a cookbook? And I said, no, you should do a cookbook. Do you have a TV show? You should do a TV show. Oh, she was, that's yeah. great. And then she came to Vancouver. And I think you were part of it, Casey. It was an IACP yes, conference. Yes, right. And the room was full of people in the food world. And they couldn't. The poor thing, uh, Julia. She had a whole crab, and no one. They couldn't take their eyes off her. You know, she was no. the center wherever she went because she was quite tall. Yes,
3: size twelve running shoes. I remember uh, that. She, yeah. yeah.
2: I asked her how she'd like the crab prepared, and she said, "Just the way you do it in the West Coast. Simple, no spices. Just just the whole crab." And that's what she had. You know, stopped the. She stopped the lights, as they say. Mm. Do you think Dungeness crab is the best crab? I do. I love. It, I love. It. And I. I mean, I grew up in Britain, where we have uh, Atlantic crab, which is pretty nice as well. But Dungeness crab has a certain jeunesse quoi it to does. it. I don't know. If it's the, the flavor. Sweetness too. So, so sweet. fresh. Mm. The problem is, of course, now Casey is is, is trying to buy it because it all gets shipped away. Yes. Away to different markets. So, it's 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 very. We have it on our menu right now. A whole crab, and. Um, we take it out of the shell, we serve it with uh, a whole variety of accompaniments as well, but um, it's a beautiful thing, so simple.
3: Tony and I were at your 30th anniversary.
2: That's right, that's right. We opened wines from 85 yeah, that 85 that year. 85, that's right. Yeah. Well now we're on our 34th year. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 89s are pretty good. 89, that's true, yes. 89 Obion. And I
3: don't know if you saw there was a a marketplace talking about noise in restaurants.
2: I did see that. I had no idea it was hard on your heart. Yeah, I didn't know that. Certainly people say quite often we love the fact that at Bishops you can hear yourself, you know, your guest, you can talk. Yes.
3: Um, Well, that's what I was going to say. It's a wonderful place to Mm -hmm, go because mm -hmm. it's small, it's intimate, and the music's great, the art's fantastic, food is wonderful.
2: Uh, Teresa, my wife, uh, had a friend in for dinner last night, and she sort of echoed exactly what you have just said. Uh, A neat little place, I have to say.
1: Yes. And if you want to speak at length with John, you're heading to Scotland this year.
2: Yes, that's right. We leave in September 20th for a 10-day tour of Scotland with single malts.
1: With uh, single mounts. Yes. They're touring uh, with you? Edinburgh, or? <laughs> Glasgow. It sounds like a backup
2: group, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, and I've only been to Scotland once before. So, but yeah. I, I know friends that have gone and go, and they love the country. Yeah. All the, I mean, people say it's hard to get a bad meal in Scotland these days, because everyone's focusing on regional cooking.
1: So good. Mm. Uh, The trip to Scotland run by Travel Concepts, people can check that out. That's right. money... Journeys with Hearts. Some of the money goes to charity. That's right. Every trip we do, we do one or two a year, uh, centered
2: around food and and culture, obviously. To date, we've been doing it for 12 years, so we've donated about 150,000 total to different little charities.
1: John, great to see you. Likewise, Uh, great to be here. I'm going home to make a stew. Good. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, plenty more to come here. We'll talk about restaurant etiquette uh, coming up next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm
3: Casey Wilson. We'll
1: be right back. There's more to
0: come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
8: Discover a true wellness-centered oasis in the heart of Canada's only desert at Spirit Ridge Resort in Osoyoos. Wake up to stunning views from your condo, suite, or villa. Enjoy modern vineyard cuisine inspired by indigenous history and culture at the bear, the fish, the root, and the berry. Tour and taste at award-winning ink meep cellars, or just relax and rejuvenate at their on-site spa. Spirit Ridge, an experience like none other, part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Check for Family Day and Spring Break packages at spiritridge.ca. The upper bench of BC's Similkameen
6: Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here. Nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos Soleil Winery surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect their unique land. You can find Clos wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province or order online at closdesoleil.ca. Join BC Food and Wine Radio at the 42nd Vancouver International Wine Festival, February 27th to 29th. Theme country is France. For a free International Festival tasting ticket worth up to $115, choose from four sessions. Book a downtown hotel via stayvancouverhotels.com by February 13th. Details are at vanwinefest.ca. Limited supply, so book now. Come see Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson talking with international and BC Vine stars in the tasting room at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Don't whine and drive.
8: Every once in a while, something new comes along that makes us sit up and take notice. It might be a song, an app. It could even be a new way to enjoy a special evening out. In the coming days, you'll be hearing about a stellar addition to the West Kelowna Wine Trail. Something different. Something unique. Something delicious. Keep listening for more news. And remember, good things come to those who wait. And the best is yet to come.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is how we do it.
1: This is how we do it. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're going to talk about etiquette today. Restaurant etiquette. Boy, do we need it? Um, I don't know. The stuff I see go on in restaurants just is. Beyond belief.
3: And these are questions that we ask servers. And these are the answers.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, questions. So in other words, this is what the server would like to hear.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Like, is there a best way to order?
1: Uh, yeah. Well, you could start by looking up at your server. Definitely looking at your Instead of staring at your phone.
3: Or your menu.
1: Yeah. Uh Why?
3: Well, because you have to acknowledge him. He's not a robot.
1: Okay. And so you look up at the server and what? Yes. What's for dinner or how do you start?
3: And remember, close your menus to get service. We've talked about that. And don't be perusing the menu. Once you've decided what you want, everybody at the table should close their menu. And then the server comes.
1: But there's always that person who <coughs> says, well, you order and I'll, by the time yes, you order, but I'll just be ready.
3: That's right. But just keep that menu closed. You can, you know, you can always l- look at it when, if you can't remember exactly what it said, open it as you're talking to them. And be polite. May I, could you please, don't say, I'm going to take the pesto pasta. Mm-hmm. Say, may I please, or... Could you please?
1: So it's a kind of who's, you, who's your mother thing.
3: It is, <laughs> it is, Tony.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, actually, I should say, or your father these days.
3: Yes. Right.
1: Uh, okay. So be polite. Close the menus. Be polite and uh, and and engage with your server. Maybe even ask their name right off the bat if they don't tell you their name. You can do that. Mm, okay. Okay. And
3: I love this one. Is it okay to send back a bottle of wine? Because I will never forget many years ago out with a friend of ours who was an usher at our wedding. And he ordered a bottle of wine. And I think he ordered it knowing he was going to send it back. And it was the most uncomfortable, embarrassing time in, my re- in a restaurant. Well,
1: what do you mean knowing he was going to send it well, back? Well, I
3: think he wanted to send back a bottle of wine.
1: Yeah, Do you really think that exists Yeah, like a a
3: power thing. I don't know today. You have to be pretty careful. So when you order a wine you are not that familiar with, you're taking a risk. If you don't love it, you don't get to send it back. But if a sommelier suggests something, that's totally different. If you don't like it, then it's their fault.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, nowadays, I think most of the time you can ask for a small taste of it. They yes. re- if they really want to sell you that bottle of wine.
3: Absolutely. Uh,
1: and in any event, you don't send back a bottle of wine unless it's faulty. And right. the, the problem with that is so few people no. can, can identify the faults even when the wine is corked, like when it smells like your basement's been flooded and the rug's been down there for 100 years. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's another Tony, level of But, Tony, you're so polite.
3: I've seen it when you have had a bottle I, of, and you're you're... Very apprehensive to send back a bottle of wine.
1: I can't tell you how many bad bottles of wine I've drunk, just not to make a scene.
3: I know. Oh, there's Gismond, he's sending that bottle of wine back. I know. (laughs) So I I try to avoid that. You're amazing that that way.
1: But yeah, uh, uh, I I think the point about this is if the psalm's trying to sell you a (laughs) bottle of wine, ask for a taste or get a full description, and and ask maybe to compare it to, uh, well, what other wines would you say it's like, so you get an idea because if he's selling you a bottle from the Jura and you don't know they're oxidized and you get the wine and you go oh, I hate that like you know you're stuck with it yes and you're paying big bucks, so, so pay some attention. But I,
3: I think you should al- always talk to the wine guy in a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, 100 labels. It's pretty difficult to take okay. a look at a
1: list. Well, what about the food, though? Because I'm I'm stuck with a cold dish or uh, I'm stuck I know. with a... You know, when they say that it's a... I love how they say it's a tart and then it comes out and it's this giant piece of pie, and I go, well, that's not a tart so... Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well...
3: You know what, do it politely and and let them know it's different from what you expected. Mm. And it's not that big a deal to send something back. Remember, the server didn't cook it, so, you know, they really don't mind. But I think the difficult part is if you get something and you don't like it, you're at a table for four, you're then going to sit for 15 minutes while they bring you another dish and everybody else is eating when your dish arrives. So I, I just don't really ever send it back. Mm. Send anything back for that reason. It just changes the dynamic of the table.
1: You just push it around your plate. Yes, <laughs> it's like a snail. At in the morning when you go out in the grass, you see this plate of food's been pushed all around in every direction. And, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, people don't. You you probably don't realize it, but when those plates go back in the kitchen, they're analyzed by the chef. Yes, he they has are. a look to see what's been eaten, what's been left, what's been pushed around. Uh, you know, what? This, what what is it that Wilson doesn't like anyways about this dish is what they're saying back there.
3: Well, I remember going to Umberto's and I was on a diet. This is many years ago. <laughs> and, uh, That's a good one. I, you know, I ate like maybe a third and uh, Umberto came to the table. He said, what's the matter? You don't like my food? I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. And it wasn't about that.
1: Okay We saved a bit of time for tips. This is still a big issue with people and uh, the numbers are a bit out of control now. Like I, 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 because I'm in the business, I always tip 20%. but uh, I think 15% is, is a solid number for people if you have great service. I don't believe in any of this tip philosophy. like I think the whole thing is broken, but this is the way it works for the moment and uh, that's, you know, that's what you're going to have to do when you're in a restaurant if you get good service. But, but there are many things that can happen with the tipping.
3: Yes, 15% isn't a shabby tip, but I say 20% when you're at a top restaurant. Great service, excellent
1: food. Why? Why, why when you're at a top restaurant, are they more special than a bottom restaurant? Yes,
3: they're, it's a lot more expensive. In fact... I remember being down in Seattle and Tom Douglas spoke at a conference and he said, you know, it really bugs me, he's talking to all the food writers there, that every January you put out an article on where to eat in cheap restaurants. He said, our food is, you know, we put so much time into our food, into checking out farms, making sure we have the best, our wine list. And, you know, you send people to restaurants where they are putting taking things out of the freezer and putting them on your plate.
1: Yeah, but you know, there's a whole there's a whole section of the population that can't afford that food or afford that service. So, you know, I mean, there's two sides to that. There is. Okay, but so But just
3: don't go under 10%. Yeah. Don't do 10%.
1: Now, uh, what about uh, often people? Not often, but sometimes you get comped or you get free stuff, or they bring stuff to the table and whatever. W- what do you do about that?
3: Always add the amount of the free food to the t- a tip to mm-hmm. the amount of the free food.
1: So, if you go in like with a certificate for for a hundred dollars and they bring you a bill for twenty eight bucks or something, you should be tipping on the whole evening. Is that correct? Yes. You shouldn't just tip on the $28.
3: And, you know, a lot of people, well, a lot of uh, often servers go to restaurants and they're comped. And they don't send a tip. They they send a cocktail to the whole kitchen. Hmm.
1: Well,
3: now, maybe there's another side that's to a bit, that one. That's
1: a bit much. No? No, I don't think so. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a bit much. It's huh? a bit rich.
3: Well, how many people are in a kitchen? Five mm-hmm. drinks?
1: Who knows? Well, I don't like the whole tipping thing because I don't really know who's getting the tip. So, you well, know, in the end... it's usually split. It's usually split so many different ways that the person who does all the work doesn't really get, you know, get that tip that you think they're getting. So that's why I think the whole system is kind of crazy at the moment. Mm. I think there should, you know, there should be some compensation, but...
3: Well, I mean, ideally, the staff should be paid well.
1: Yeah, With no wage.
3: tipping like they do in...
1: Love it. Australia.
3: But as I talked to a chef in Australia who owns a restaurant, he said the problem there is you can't get anybody to work on weekends.
1: Mm. There's
3: no incentive.
1: Well, they're being paid really well.
3: They don't care. They don't want to work on the weekends because they're paid Monday to Friday. They're paid well all week, so they want the weekends off. Mm. So I don't know. There's no perfect...
1: Okay, folks. Uh, I think the main message is be human when you're out dining. Uh, it's not. It's not like it's the same when you're driving your car. You know, you can't. Guy cuts you off. He cuts you off. Uh, there's no need to go crazy. Just relax
3: and be human. If you wanna express appreciation, send a card. You know, letters are read aloud at staff meetings, and the good ones and the bad, and nothing feels better. So next time, you know, mm-hmm. you'll be recognized and treated. Even better.
1: Okay, and the one thing we didn't mention, which is probably the most important thing, is that if you have, you should have a favorite restaurant. You should have a restaurant where you're known. Exactly. Because Become you dine a regular. there. Yeah, you're a regular in that restaurant, and you'll see an, a, a, a real jump up in service and attitude and everything else because you're supporting them on a regular basis. You're not a one-off. and uh, It's, so it's only It's only human. I mean, I wish they treated everybody the same, but if you're in there three or four nights a month, Uh, they'll know who you are pretty quickly, and uh, you'll have some fun there.
3: And if a new restaurant opens, go a couple of times the first week it opens. They will not forget you.
1: BC Food and Wine Radio. Uh, We are uh, still on the air, Casey. How long have we been on the air? Now, I've I've been fighting with Stu about this. 22 years. Well, 1997. 22 freaking years on the air talking about food and wine. That must be a record. (laughs) <laughs> i think so <laughs> and there's plenty more to come don't go away up next uh ice wine and food matches i bet you probably never really thought about that uh we're going to talk about that next on the bc food and
0: wine radio network i'm tony Gizmondi.
1: i'm casey Wilson. we'll be right back
0: there's more to come this is the bc food and wine radio network presented in part by wines of british columbia at save on foods
4: the B.C. wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save-On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of B.C. VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save-On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Culmina Family Estate Winery reminds you that it's time to join the 2019 Fellowship and reap the rewards. Culmina's Fellowship not only brings people together through their love of Kalmana Wines, it also features exclusive benefits only available to members, like access to the number series, Culmina's small lot program, as well as unreleased library and rare wines from their portfolio. For details, visit culmina.ca. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science.
5: Explore Vancouver's exceptional culinary scene with the Westin Bayshore Vancouver at Dine Out Vancouver 2020. During your stay, enjoy a three-course meal for just $35 at H2 Rotisserie and Bar and H Tasting Lounge, the Westin Bayshore's outstanding pair of restaurants. And as an exclusive dine-out bonus, get room-only deals, including dinner for two at H2 Rotisserie and Bar and H Tasting Lounge. Dine-Out Vancouver 2020 with the Westin Bayshore Vancouver. Take advantage of special pricing at dineoutvancouver.com hotel.
8: It's Jesse here from Black Hills Estate Winery, inviting you to join us this winter to experience the best that BC has to offer. Enjoy an educational seated wine flight and sample our flagship red wine, Nota Bene, while taking in the serene vineyard views. Or check out our online store for seasonal specials, new wine releases, and more. We're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit blackhillswinery.com. Gizmondionwine.com, BC's destination for finding great wine at all price points.
0: With their easy-to-use search engine of over 30,000-plus tasting notes, you can find the wines you want by price, points, and more.
8: Bookmark Gizmondionwine.com for the new notes posted daily, each with a
0: photo of the label. Get new ideas and find great buys with seasonal and weekly top 10 wine lists, original stories, and videos.
8: If wine matters to you, join us at
0: Gizmondionwine.com. Follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Gizmondionwine.com. Mondi on wine. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, Welcome let back it, no,
1: to the BC no, Food and Wine so Radio right. Network. Man, uh yeah, cold. We love cold when we talk about ice wine because that's how ice wine is made. Uh you know, ice wine is uh, the grapes are essentially frozen, which means 95% of the juice which is water is is turned to ice, it's removed and you get you're left with this precious drop of nectar that turns itself into this incredible sweet dessert wine, known as ice wine, which uh, really is almost exclusively made in Canada now and uh, still made in Germany and Austria, but in very small amounts due to climate And change. made
3: very differently in the U.S.
1: Uh, it's not the same product. Well, there is no such thing in the U.S. Just they make some stuff in a refrigerator Exactly. Or but you know. they call it ice wine. Well, the Americans call a lot of things... Stuff, <laughs>
3: and you know, you don't think about food matches with ice wine, no. but there are many. I, I mean, good I ones. could
1: I say off the top, you can serve ice wine for dessert. Yes, and you, and then if you want to be if you want to keep it simple, you can pour it on ice cream uh, or fresh fruit. But there are many other things, and uh, as you know, Casey, I caught up with Chef Tim McKitty at uh, out at Inniskillin this year, and I was I was blown away by some of the things that you can do. And as you can imagine, it's all about acid and sugar. Because ice wine actually has so much acidity in it, the only reason you don't notice it is because it has so much sugar. So it has so, these so key in, yeah, it has these key ingredients that chefs love. So today we thought we'd talk about a few things. You did a bit of experimenting, uh, so let's start with uh, with salads.
3: I know. Get this, Tony. Forget uh, vinegar. Use yeah. ice wine in a vinaigrette.
1: Yeah. So wha- about how do you half do that? of what
3: you would usually use. So say if it calls for two tablespoons of vinegar, use one tablespoon
1: of ice wine. Yeah, and yeah.
3: that natural sweetness really tones down any sharp acidity that's in the greens and other ingredients.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and for uh, sauces and glazes yeah, and, just and marinades, use,
3: just for a sauce, just put some ice wine in. I'd say a couple tablespoons. Mm. Same with marinades and glazes.
1: Uh, it's very versatile, folks. And, and uh, well, we—I watched him. He told me that uh, probably uh, the the thing that's most requested now is ice wine butter. Have you heard of that?
3: I'd never heard about it until yeah. I went online to see your, your I was going to say your documentary on ice yeah, wine. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> your video on ice wine, it's fantastic. Never even thought about ice wine butter. And, and so what you do to make ice wine butter is you reduce ice wine to about half, mm-hmm. and then you fold it into butter.
1: Yeah, and then you you get your you bake some bread or you get some super fresh bread Yes. it's just unbelievable how tasty that is
3: because you've got the sweetness with yeah. the with the kind of roughness say of uh well um I would use uh what the Scots do Tony their favorite bread yeah which is called soda bread soda bread huh how it's did a I know that perfect match yeah ice wine butter i mean try that the next time you have people for dinner so you open up that ice wine, make the butter, and then serve ice wine at the end of the meal.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing to keep in mind with ice wine, and uh, well, we're going to talk more about food, but in terms of dessert, it's, it's all about this sweetness factor, and the dessert should never be sweeter than the ice wine. No. Because we're trying to protect the ice wine a bit, not that it needs much protection, but that's why you've you got to balance that off, and you've got to do that before dinner. Like You've got to taste test that. So uh, you be careful, but uh, chocolate is another great thing to uh, serve with ice wine, especially if it's a little bit
3: bitter. I know. I never think about serving chocolate with wine. Yeah,
1: it's really. But that's
3: the exception to the rule.
1: Yeah. Now we had a dish in the video. I think you saw it. The bacon. Yes. It was unbelievable h- how they they did that. Uh, and and it they made a BLT it with it. Yeah, simple enough to do even bacon at home and just sprinkle basically just sprinkle it over the bacon as you're uh, baking it in the oven. It's just fantastic. But yes,
3: you know. And if you want to roast bacon, about 350 for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you put a rack on it, it's even better because the fat drips down. Yep. And if you're feeling lazy, just go to Whole Foods because they have the best deal on bacon ever. If you go to their breakfast section, uh-huh. and the bacon's already cooked. So...
1: <laughs> the bacon's already when cooked. you
3: cook bacon, you get it down a pound of bacon is at the end about a quarter pound. And if you go to Whole Foods, you get a quarter pound of bacon for nothing. Yeah.
1: Now well I know about nothing. There's nothing for nothing at Whole Foods. No, but, but it's by weight. Yeah. So it is So they've the cooked off they've of the rendered century. off the fat exactly. and you're actually buying the crispy bacon. Yeah, and
3: you're not paying for the
1: Yeah. Love but it. the price they paid. Yeah. Uh, the other dish which blew me away was a uh, French onion soup. And, yeah, I would uh, never think of, of uh, uh,
3: caramelizing onions, onions in ice wine.
1: Yeah, it, they were so fantastic. Well, you know when you caramelize onions, anyways, you, they get a sweetness factor in them. Yes. But it's just amped up by using some ice wine in that reduction in that process, and then uh, putting it in the onion soup. Like I it, it can just and it, I the day I was there it was freezing cold. Um, and so this this soup was just so fantastic at lunchtime. So uh, you, by the way, you can check out these videos at gismoniandwine.com. There's three videos on ice wine. One is with Chef Tim McKitty, and it's all about uh, food, and you actually see him preparing many of these dishes uh, using ice wine uh, from Inaskillin, which was you know the original founder of ice wine. Uh, it was great. We had fun doing that series, Casey. One of the funniest parts was. Uh, we were talking to the vineyard manager and he was talking about uh, Carl Kaiser yes. and Don Zeraldo. And Carl said, well, I wanna make this ice wine and they didn't know anything about it. And he said, well, we're gonna grow these grapes, Fidel. We're gonna let them hang and we're gonna let them hang. And these guys were farmers. This was back in the in the 70s, I believe, uh, or early 80s. And uh, so every day they would come into work and it was you know October and they said, can we pick the grapes? And Carl said, no, 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 you gotta wait, you gotta wait, you gotta wait. And then in the middle of October, and they said, When are we going to pick these grapes? Said, no, you got to wait. You got to wait. And by the end of October, they're in November, and everybody's coming in every day. When are we? <laughs> Carl says, I'll let you know when it's time to pick the grapes. So a couple of days later, Carl Kaiser, the winemaker, comes into the winemaker and he said, Who picked the grapes? And uh, these guys said, uh, "We, what do you mean? We didn't pick any grapes. And they went outside, and there wasn't a single grape left in the first ice wine harvest because oh, no. the birds ate them all. They showed up that day oh. and ate all the grapes. And that was the start of uh, bird nets uh, yes, for so ice fit. wine the next year. So uh, he said they they didn't. They cried. Now they laugh about it, but they were all gone overnight. So. Birds do like them predators. The longer they hang, it's the, what they learn now is, is the moment that it snows, that's when <coughs> birds and those they, they panic, right? Everything's oh. gone, so they head for the the grapes, right? And, and anyway.
3: sparkling ice wine, Tony. It's, yeah. it's the most versatile.
1: Yeah, the sparkle adds a little bit. It gives a bit of lift to it because ice wine can be a bit rich and heavy, uh, so it, it freshens it up a bit and it gives you a few more possibilities. Uh, for serving it. uh, Great
3: with spicy foods.
1: Yeah. Uh, The thing about ice wine for me, I love the rich, rich matches. So if you think about lobster and ice wine, uh, you know, cream and ice wine, these are rich, rich matches. And as opposed to, uh, you know, the acid cutting uh, style, the the juxtaposition of flavors and taste. This is a rich, rich, and I I, I think it's best. Anyway, ice wine, underappreciated and often thought of as not thought about. It's something you should have a look at, especially when it comes to food. You'd be surprised uh, how complimentary it is. And we see more and more chefs using it in the kitchen, and uh, you can have a bottle in the kitchen too and use it uh, sparingly, and uh, it'll be fine.
3: The most unusual match that I've come across is ice wine with very salty east coast oysters Mm. it just makes me want to try Mm. that and i might do that this
1: yeah week well we i had it with like sushi lobster too yes incredible uh okay folks uh plenty more to come on the bc food and wine radio network uh up next our france 101 series continues today
0: it's going to be the languedoc in the south of france There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods.
5: Come and get married in the land of Ng at Watermark Beach Resort in Asuyas. Beachfront on Osuyas Lake, Canada's warmest lake. One stop for all your wedding dreams. Gorgeous lakefront suites at Watermark Beach Resort. For you, your family, and your friends. Farm-to-table South Okanagan cuisine. Dining and wining, laughing and celebrating. Deep in wine country. (laughs) Connect today. Weddings at watermarkbeachresort.com.
7: Hi, this is Duncan from Hillside Winery and Bistro. I invite you to experience the finest that Naramata Bench has to offer terroir to table cuisine and crafted wines made exclusively from Naramata grown grapes. Delight your senses as you sit back, slow down, and savor our locally inspired food and wine. Enjoy a fresh take on dining with the bistro's new shared plate menu. Come discover and taste the difference at Hillside Winery and Bistro, located in the heart of the Naramata bench, just minutes from Penticton.
8: Discover a true wellness-centered oasis in the heart of Canada's only desert at Spirit Ridge Resort in Asoyuz. Wake up to stunning views from your condo, suite, or villa. Enjoy modern vineyard cuisine inspired by indigenous history and culture at the bear, the fish, the root, and the berry. Tour and taste at award-winning ink meep cellars, or just relax and rejuvenate at their on-site spa. Spirit Ridge, an experience like none other, part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Check for Family Day and Spring Break packages at spiritridge.ca.
4: The BC wine industry is all about people people crafting products with passion. Save-On-Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save-On-Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com/wine.
0: Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson.
1: back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, here at the BC Food and Wine Radio, we're very pleased to be a part of the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival, and we'll be broadcasting on stage inside the theme region of France on February 27th, 28th, and 29th. So today, uh, we continue our France 101 series in the run-up to the uh, festival. France, as you know, is the theme region, and there'll be 45 French wineries in the room, including several from what we would term the south of France, but perhaps more in in, in more particular way, the Languedoc. Uh, so today we want to talk about the Languedoc, which stretches, uh, Casey, well, you've been down there, from Perpignan, which is really at the Spanish border, uh in the West all the way over to Montpellier on the east side it's and uh, really if you think about the Mediterranean it's not more than 50 to 75 kilometers above the Mediterranean so that sort of strip it's kind of like a half moon shape uh, and it's it's filled with wineries like <laughs> the size is just incredible uh, of the Languedoc when you when you think about uh, even BC I don't know what we have in BC I want to say we have roughly... Uh, 5,000 hectares in uh, British Columbia, uh, which uh, pales with the 290,000 hectares in the Languedoc.
3: And Tony, wine's changed a lot since the first time I went to that region.
1: Well, you know, traditionally, I mean, the story was, and sometimes it's kind of like the, the good guys keeping the, you know, the big guys keeping the little guys down. But in the, in the days of yore, these sort of rich sun baked wines of the Languedoc, probably a little overcooked, were shipped up to uh, Bordeaux and even Burgundy and used to color wines and to bolster wines. Those days are all gone. And uh, as I, I said earlier, I was talking to uh, people at a conference at, at Bertrand. It's really the Languedoc's time. So it's really fun to explore this region. First of all, uh, uh, we could talk about uh, the red wines uh, particularly the grapes, people sort of relate to that. So most of the wines are Syrah, Grenache, Carignan, and Movedra. These are the grape varieties, and you would hear about them in, in the Rhone, in the southern Rhone, which is, you know, above Languedoc. Uh, so these wines are in some sort of mix. So you can have Syrah, Grenache, you can have Grenache, Syrah, you can have all four of them. Sometimes they're singular, but mostly they're blended. Uh, and they th- there's a wide range of wines, and then you take the that blend, and you spread it across a whole bunch of different appellations, villages. So if you think about here, so there's a, there's a style for Naramata, there's a style for Oliver, there's a style for Kelowna and East Kelowna, uh, and and uh, it all makes sense when you're when you're traveling there. White wines, one of my favorite. You probably had it a few times with me. Is Pickpool? Oh, I love it. Summertime, fantastic wine to have on a patio. And I'm really in love with Grenache Blanc. Uh, it makes a very inexpensive, delicious white wine. Uh, and of course, everybody knows Viognier, and there's a lot of Viognier grown in the Languedoc region. And now, uh, believe it or not, and it's easy to believe, they're they're getting more and more famous for the Rosé. So Provence is just in the neighborhood, right. a little north. Uh, so they've pretty much perfected the Provence thing, but they're doing it down in the Languedoc. Uh, and probably the most interesting thing about the Languedoc is the sparkling wines, and we don't know as much about them as we should uh, one, many would argue that the first sparkling wines in France were founded in the Languedoc, not in Champagne.
3: Interesting.
1: And that, in fact, some would say that Dom Perignon stole the recipe. Really? <laughs> uh, he stole the stars and took them back to Champagne and made them famous. Uh, but so today, in uh, you can buy a Cremant de Lemieux, uh, de Lemieux that that is a very uh, soft, delicious sparkling wine. And there are also champenois or, or method Champ, Champ, Champagne Method sparkling wines coming out of Limoux as well uh, that are just outstanding. And you can find some of those in liquor stores and of course you're going to see some of them here at the Wine Festival. Uh, so it's a, it's a really fascinating place. It's huge and it's a great place to visit. Uh, and uh, we couldn't be more pleased to be... Uh, to, well, we're going to have some people on the show uh, as well during the festival, uh, to talk more about uh, the Languedoc. How about food?
3: Well, I, I want to say you, what's great about the area, the prices. Yeah. Very reasonable prices. So. Um,
1: like I'm saying, uh, you can buy, s- sort of 17 to $22 would be a, a good price range for a red wine from, uh, you know, you have the specific areas like Corbiere or, or uh, saint Sanchinian, but many just have the Languedoc. Uh, on the label, or the Coteau de Languedoc, which is uh, coming off labels now, but has been there for a while. All of these places are thriving in the south of France, Faugire, and you'll see them in liquor stores. And we're getting more and more of them, which is really encouraging. Uh, so I like that. Um, let's talk about food. I set up at uh, Gerard Bertrand. If you if you travel there, he has a hotel at Chateau L'Hospitalet, which is just gorgeous, a simple place right at the winery and a great restaurant there called Art de Vivre. And you can you can strike out in almost one hour in any direction and cover off most of the Languedoc from there. At least 90 minutes would be your biggest drive.
3: And I know that uh, tapenade will be on the menu.
1: Yep. Which is... Pretty uh, simple to make, very too. Very
3: simple. Um, made from green or black olives. And often they use a mixture along with olive oil and capers, which just adds a real kick to it. And this dish is served as a dip or a spread. Also cassoulet, which is traditional to toul- uh, Toulouse, and it's probably one of the most loved dishes in France and it consists of beans with sausages, lamb or pork. Mm-hmm. And it's actually available at Oyama on Granville Island if you phone ahead, ask them to make it. Nice. Also a uh, fantastic and I know you've had this monkfish Stew Tony with aioli and uh, a Mediterranean sauce with olive oil and garlic. It's called, but I don't know how to pronounce it, B-O-U-R-R-I-D-E. But you'll know when you taste it. And this is how the fishermen, you know, use up the leftover fish just before it's sold. Yeah.
1: One of the things I didn't ever understand, uh, uh, like Bertrand is like five minutes from the ocean, you drive down there. By the way, the salt flats are right there uh, oh, where, where they harvest salt, so right. you can see all that happening. But they do such a great job with these shacks on the Mediterranean. Like, it's just a shack. Yes. You sit in there, you drink some rosé, a bit of fish comes out or whatever, you name it, uh, you can just sort of while away the hours sitting there uh, in the late late afternoon, early evening. It's such a great relaxing pastime uh to do that and it's simple and not that expensive I know
3: oysters and mussels what's yeah. better
1: yeah. sit in a shack and have they that come in with a, some wine they come in a pot and the wine comes in a, p- a bucket you know the the oysters come in a bucket and uh well you know what we say bob's your uncle that's right pretty tasty stuff and goat's cheese Tony. It's yeah.
3: all over that region
1: so Casey and I, as you know, we, we've been at the wine festival forever. Uh, but uh, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network will be broadcasting. Will be inside the French uh, theme region area. So drop by and see us uh, if you if you're attending the wine festival uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, France 101. Uh, we've been talking about so many different areas, but the Languedoc is a is such a. a, a an exciting area because it's not Bordeaux, it's not Burgundy, it's not, you know, although it has a long history because, frankly, uh, most of uh, what goes on in France started in the south. So if you think about uh, the Greeks and the Romans and uh, the Etruscans, like all the people that traveled across uh, the south of France on their way to the Alps or wherever, even to the Orient, it all happened down there. So all of these little medieval villages are within striking distance of you know, 10, 15 minutes all over the south of France. You get a great cup of coffee, you go in a cafe, you visit a winery, uh, you just soak up the sunshine. Uh, it's really special. And one of the best things to do there, Casey, or, or to discover is this notion of Garrigue. And uh, last early late last year when I was there and we drove up to Clos, uh, uh, Clo Aura, which is uh, Bertrand's top winery, by the way, he's going to be at the festival. Uh, we drove the car. We, we, we got to the we found the place. Then we had to drive up this stone line road for about ten minutes and was barely enough room for the car. I thought we were going to rip the side off the car all the way up, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up. We finally, and then we get to the vineyard. it's a biodynamic vineyard. There's an old guy plowing the vineyard behind a horse. Wow. Like I couldn't wait to get out of the car just to, to experience that. We get out of the car in the most overpowering smell of rosemary and thyme and dried herbs just wafting through the air. Like it was, it, there, was there was no way to explain it. That is garrigue and that is the Languedoc. Uh, so uh, folks, I hope you enjoy them at the show. Uh, there'll be so there'll be a number of them in the room. And uh, I did have a list, if I can very quickly say who's attending uh, at the winery. It's going to be uh, Gerard Bertrand, for sure. Uh, Paul Mass uh, will also be pouring his wines. Ad Vini, another producer, will be pouring their wines. So I think there'll be about six or seven of them there uh, from the Rhone Valley. Oh, yeah, and Domaine, Michel Gassier, fantastic guy. I uh, can't wait to taste his wines, too. And then one for you, Casey, turquoise life. I know. I think couldn't of the, believe that when I saw that. Think of the that. turquoise-colored exactly. uh, water the of Mediterranean. the Mediterranean. So it's kind of lifestyle-like. Folks, that's our France uh, 101 for today on the Languedoc. Uh, remember, you can find us on iTunes, uh, and you can uh, listen to all of the uh, 101 series as we make the run up to the wine festival. I'm Tony Gizmondi. I'm Casey Wilson. And you've been listening to the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network. Have a great weekend.
0: That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson on the B.C. Food & Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. B.C. Food & Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.